Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. starting to give up on my children. I was starting to, um, you know, not do their hair and let them do all everything for themselves, you know, because you have to do it later. That was what my mind was saying. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to do it soon. You know, I can't be, you know, pandering to you. Um, awful thing to want to withdraw from your children before you're even gone because your mind says you're doing the right thing. I'm Michelle Laurie and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee, conversations about the guts and the glory of life. Julia Watson is many things, a humanitarian, a mature-age student, a published author, a mother, a wife. Most recently, though, her life and her identity have been consumed by cancer. In January 2015, she was given six to nine months to live, which she has happily surpassed, but there are no miracles on the horizon for Julia. She's written a book called Breakfast, School Run, Chemo. It's every bit as honest, confronting, brilliant and hilarious as she is. Prepare to be dazzled by Julia Watson. There's always a certain way if you don't have a lot of... Like I've always had a gregarious personality, but I didn't have the confidence to match it. Yeah. You know, so I'd go out and, I'd, you know, I could certainly get along with people and, and that sort of thing. But if I was, you know, I wanted to... Blend in a bit, yeah. like a bit of a wallflower, you know, the pull back hair, no makeup, don't, you know, wear yeah. colourful clothes, don't um, draw attention to yourself and yep. and that sort of thing. And not that, the, you know, the change was anything about doing that. It was more just when you find, you know, you find your confidence, you find your style. Um, it, it, it's just what naturally happens. So, I mean, it was really, it was sort of, it was almost by accident. I, w- I started chemotherapy and I thought I'm, I'm going to cut my hair short so it won't be too shocking for my children when it falls out. Yeah. Um, and in first line bowel cancer chemotherapy, it generally doesn't fall out. So it didn't fall out. So I had short gray hair and, um, I thought, well, I'm doing the platinum. I've wanted to do this for so long. So I ran down and did the platinum and I come home and everyone said, oh, you're wanting to look like pink. And I said, no, Roxette, you know, we're we're going back a whole, yeah, Marie from Roxette. That was when I wanted that hair. And it actually, I mean, I could see straight away it suited me and I would never have thought it would. So I was just like, well, this is it. I'll never go back from this now. Yeah, totally. Reading your book and looking at the photos, I... I couldn't imagine you any other way. Imagine you any other way. And then there's there's one, maybe a couple of photos, old photos of you with the long hair and 
and as you as you say in the book, in the grey top and yeah. the sort of you know, and I, I just can't imagine that was you. Yeah, it's just sort of it sort of evolved. You know, once I enjoyed the hair, then I started to enjoy the makeup, and then the clothes came with it, and then you can, you know, I used to say that I could go out to a shop. Um, and they could have put a mannequin together with every single accessory and every piece of clothing on it. And I still could not pull this together. I could say, can I have everything off that thing? And I'd just be like, no, nah, it doesn't work. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, I've become one of those people that can pull things from the wardrobe randomly and put them together. And I have never been able to do that. And someone said to me, what, how do you do it? And I said, confidence. Can't think of any other way to say it because I never could before. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, yeah. but it, it, you know, it happens slowly. That's what I, I, um, you know, I hope it comes across in the, in the book that it's not an overnight process. You don't just wake up and say, you know, mm. I'm going to have all the confidence in the world today and, I'm, you know, look out world. Yeah. It took, you know, it, it's an evolutionary process. It happens bit by bit. Yeah. Well, because the book is chronological because, you know, it's, it's blog entries and it's, it's things like that. So certainly the, the journey, for want of a better word, comes across in the book and you're sort of on this ride with you. Um, for better and for worse. And yeah. yeah, it's definitely, but it's it's just so much about your decisions about how you're going to cope with yeah. cancer, mm. how you're going to cope with um, possibilities that are on the horizon that, mm. that could work, that mightn't work, that could actually end up with far worse consequences than not pursuing yeah. them. Mm. It's It's so much about... I'm Buddhist, right? And mm. so much of I don't know if you know much about Buddhism, but, but a little bit. Yeah. So much of it is about disciplining your mind and your emotions, yes. and about making the choice to yeah. react in a certain way. And mm. you, you, you've got it in spades. Like, yeah, you're doing it every day. Yeah, yeah, I am. I think it's um, you know, it was decisions I had to make to to keep on you know, reframing things along the way as things change because I've had so many curveballs in my treatment. And, you know, my plan, things have worked and things haven't worked. And, mm. um, you know, I, I decided if I couldn't get cured, then I was never, you know, I was just going to give up and wait to, you know, mm-hmm. the, a bit of the old negativity came back for a, a really short while. Yeah. And I thought maybe I can't, I can't rally after that one. But then as soon as it was over and I didn't have a chance to be cured anymore, I just went on to the next thing. I, I've just learned to reframe along the way, but it's a real... Um, once again, like the, you know, like the image and all that sort of thing, it's, it's a, it's been a real evolutionary process and that's what I've written down. Yeah. Um, that, you know, at first I felt like I was a rat caught in a cage yeah. because I thought there's no, you, once you hear those words, you have cancer, especially when you hear the words, you've got terminal cancer, you can't go back and you can't unhear it and nothing can ever be the same again. So that's that first feeling of being really trapped because of, of that not being able to go back even five minutes and ever be in that place again where you, you, you were so innocent and, you know, you had so much freedom to think about the future and how long you were going to take to do things and mm. and that sort of thing. So, um, it you know, it, it took me a good few weeks of real shock before I could pu- push my way out of that and say, well, it's absolutely unchangeable so I have to find a way not to waste it I have to find a way to live within it because you know I I know I I was starting to give up on my children I was starting to um you know not do their hair and let them do all everything for themselves you know because you have to do it later that was what my mind was saying you know you're gonna have to do it soon I can't be you know pandering to you um awful thing to want to withdraw from your children before you're even gone because your mind says you're doing the right thing yeah. That, and it's not uncommon. Mm, it's not. That's something that I have found, um, you know, yeah. with people I've connected with along the way, which, you know, has been so many through my blog. 
um, and now through this book, that it's not uncommon. So, you know, something like that, you know, brings people together and makes you realise that these are not abnormal responses, but you can, you know, hopefully most people can draw something from it and find, you know, mm. I, I just do the, I, I do the mindfulness. The, no, I don't do it very well, but I, I think you do it really yeah. well. I mean, I, I don't do it in a very disciplined way, I suppose yeah. I mean, but I, the concept of it, of every time I start to panic is to just pull myself back to the here and now. Most of the time I can do it and I'll look, it's, it's probably saved my life. It's yeah. a, that's a big part of it. Yeah. But also you talk a lot about the 14 month period of hope. Yeah. Well, I had a uh, the chance of having a liver resection operation, which you know, gave me a very, very small chance of a cure because I had very advanced cancer in my liver when I was diagnosed. Um, and, you know, it was never a very big chance. It was only ever a couple of percent. And I, you know, decided I still wanted to go for that because someone had to be in that one or two, mm. you know. And I did still have in my mind, even though I was living really well, I was having a lot of fun and stuff, that I was going to um, be cured. You know, so that all it all helped on the, you know, the back of that that hope mm. you know to get there and then you know it was it, it turned out when I went to have the operation that it was just too advanced and there was more cancer than he thought but you talk about how important that hope was it was really important because mm. um I'm, my liver surgeon who's a lovely man you know and he's he's been with me from the start and he tried so hard to get me to that operation um and he sent me an email recently just just you know saying i I wish I could have done more. You know, I'm sorry that I couldn't do more. And, I, you know, I felt compelled to write back and say that, you know, what you gave me with that hope was really important because it gave me time yeah. to settle into this place of acceptance that I can, you know, keep on rallying until I can't. You know, the, you know yeah. they tell me that day will come. I'm not, you know, too concerned about that. I'm only concerned, like I said, about the here and now. I mean, of course, I'm scared of it, but it's, you know, it's not here now. Mm-hmm. So, um it, it gave me time to, you know, realise that I can, you know, I learnt a lot of things. I learnt things like you can go to bed for the day and put a pillow over your head and be absolutely hysterical. But you can tell yourself, I'm still going to be able to get up, maybe not tomorrow, but the next day. Mm. I'm going to keep on rallying. You know, I can do that. So, you know, to allow myself to go into these really scary places and then say I can come out again. You know, I've le- I learnt a lot over that period of time and, and it was always in the back of my mind, but maybe, but maybe. So even though it's now not, um, it's it's yeah, it still gave me that time, and it's given me um, the the chance to say to myself that I did everything that I could, yeah. that there was no nothing else that could save me. Because if I had have got to the end of my life and been lying there and thought it was only a one or two percent chance, but what if I was that one or two yeah. percent? Um, it would be very hard to go peacefully. Basically, mm. I, I feel. So, you know, I know that, you know, I, I did everything that I could to, yeah. you know. I don't think you've got many regrets left, have you? I no. Think you've... No, no, I, have, I haven't got many. I've, um, you know, I've, there's, been, there's been lots of things. Like, you know, I've, I've spoken openly about, you know, issues in my childhood, like childhood sexual abuse, bullying, you know, some of the things that I went through. And I've, you know, sort of, oh, I've, I've purged all the demons and, you know, I've, got to speak to a lot of other people about theirs too and how that's helped them to to purchase and that's a real privilege and I think that that's you know it's been it's just been wonderful best life ever so um yeah you even talk about using that that time when you've got no energy maybe the day after chemo or or whatever and using that as okay well that's snuggling in bed with the girls watching a movie day Mm. so even that you find a positive purpose in and yeah 
you know. Yeah, that's what I had to do because especially because I was always considered terminal right from the start. So mm. there was this little bit of hope, but it wasn't, you know, it was like it was never high and they always considered me a terminal patient. Um so I knew that and, and I was very mindful and I'm, I'm especially so now when there's no no recourse for me at all to be cured that um, when you have chemotherapy, I thought these are days that I'm going to lose. Like I'm just going to, you might as well, if, if I lived a year, you might as well call it six months, mm. you know, because half of it's going to be taken away by, you know, feeling under par and, and stuff. And, it's, you know, so far it hasn't turned out to be as bad as I thought, but that generally in the first couple of days I can't do a lot. So... Um, you know, thank goodness for social media and connecting with people. You never lose that. And that's been really important to yeah. me. Like I could be in the deepest, darkest pit in my bed and then I'd have a baby next to me watching a movie and then I'd, you know, go online and I was never alone. I'd put some post up about something, either something funny or something depressing. And, yeah. you know, in that all be, like they were in the room. So I love how you call your kids your babies. <laughs> I do that as well. I'm the, you're the only other person I know who does that. And my kids are five. Yeah. So, and they're always like, I'm not a baby. Why do you call me a baby? But to me, they're always my babies. That's, oh, they always will be to yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. I put my baby shot of two netball goals the other day. My baby's 12 next week. <laughs> <laughs> She's my biggest baby. This is Dakota who, yes. as you say in the book, is the person who made you a mother. And yes. oh, that really touched me because like you, I had to wait a long time to be a mum. Yeah. And, um, you know, you also talk about taking Dakota to a sort of um, pre-high school mm. days. Yeah. Um, immersion, is that what they're called yeah. or something? Um, and feeling as though when you're there in that day and she's excited and, and it's a bit scary and all of that, that you, at the time you felt you probably won't be there to take her to her yeah. first day of high school. No, but I, I sort of always envisaged the end of year graduation dinner, the grade six graduation, you yeah. know, where they get. So the first, when I was first diagnosed, I was thinking, okay, what's two years? Oh, that's her high school, uh, primary school graduation. Mm. And so I started to, you know, picture awful things like either am I going to be there, but it, or if I am, I'm going to be really, really sick. You know, and I'm just going to be, and it's going to be an awful time and it's, you know, such an important time in a child's life and I'll be sitting there thinking I won't see the next one, you know, because my other, you know, my next daughter's in grade six next year, so it'll be her and, and you know, and, and there's still that, you know, like I'm obviously, I'm going to get to this one and um, and then I'm going to plan to get to the next one because I think that's all I can do. Yeah, I love the way you plan. Mm. Um, yeah, I really love the way you keep planning. Yeah. And I think if I didn't have my plans, like I... After this book, you know, people say, there's all this, when's the next book and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, I said, I don't think there's another book, you know, there's articles and there's all sorts of, you know, places that I want to pitch and things I want to write about. And, you know, I don't, definitely don't want to write about cancer mm. because it's it's a part of my life, but I can't be consumed by it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... um. So, you know, the plan is to sort of go back to things that were, you know, are really important to me that I, you know, really chased before when I was doing community development at, at TAFE and wanted to work with asylum seekers on the coalface and tell their stories, you know, and I want to go, you know, yeah. back and, you know, focus on that sort of thing again. But the other day, there, all of a sudden there was another book. So there's going to be another book. Great. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, I've already already sort of started to make out the nuts and bolts of it. So, yeah. Well, look, this, this is the there. thing in this book as well. The chapter that, that – another chapter that really resonated me, with me was glorification of busy. Yeah, just the um, – I th think about what, what I used to think of was an achievement because yeah. I used to always be very focused on what I could achieve. Um, and, you know, I would almost be mentally listing it down and ticking it off. I can be super mum. I've got four children. I've got a child with a disability who can't walk or talk. Um, so, you know, this, this last year before I was diagnosed with cancer in the December, I spent, um, 
a whole year studying community development full time. So and I you've would... got no help in the home, so no. at least I've got help in my house. But yeah. you you were getting up in the morning at the crack yeah. of dawn, getting four girls off to school and kinder and everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lunches, uniforms, all that stuff. Then yeah. you were going to TAFE, yeah. studying, doing assignments, school pickup at mm-hmm. 3, 3.30, whatever, dinner, baths, the cactus mm-hmm. hour, getting yeah. them to bed and then studying. Yep. I'd usually start, you know. Massive. And, and it was such an intense study too. Yeah. I wasn't one of those people that thought – um, that I would just, you know, I'd be happy to pass, which yeah. would be fine because no one looks at your transcript when you go to get a job. Peace, get know. degrees, babe. That's Peace what I always degrees. say. <laughs> I love it and you're so right. And I didn't, you know, and I didn't yeah. look at it that way. I was getting the high distinctions, you know, I pretty much clean swept them. But I just remember thinking, oh, I was exhausted all the time. I was losing weight, um, you know, really exhausted. But I didn't think any of those things were a problem because, um, you know, I wasn't sitting home with the kids on the computer eating packets of chips and stuff like that. Of course, yeah. the weight's going to fall off. That's the of dream, course, isn't it? you're going to be tight. Yeah, when a friend loses weight and you go, how did you do that? And she goes, oh, I was just chasing the twins around or something. And you yeah. think, oh, that's the dream, to lose weight and not know how or why. That's it, And in yeah. your case, it was because you had cancer. I had cancer. I generally wasn't concerned. Yeah. But it was a... It was a year when I, I looked back on that year, you know, at, the, at December when I finished my placement and I was, you know, finished all my assignments and ready to start the next year and all that sort of stuff. I'd, I'd looked back at, at, at that as one of the biggest years of achievements that I'd, I'd ever had in my life. Mm. I just thought, I just, you know, I've done, I've done it all. I have shown everybody yeah. you can have it all. You what got- I did that year um by thinking that that was the best, my, most epic year ever, was devalue all the years that I'd had before. You know, I'd had four children and I'd stayed home for years with the kids because I wanted to mm. um, for those, you know, first few years. And, you know, they're hard years. You've got, you know, four kids under five yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And and you just think, oh, you know, that that was really hard, but this was really, you know. I should, really... You feel like you're never achieving anything when you've got little yeah. kids because they walk behind you undoing everything you're doing. And, yeah. you know, every day's like Groundhog Day. It's really hard to remember what you're yeah. achieving with it them. It is. It is. And, and this is just so what everyone says. But they, those those little things were the big things. Yeah. And I, I, I see it now and that's why I think let's stop glorifying busy. Let's stop, you know, who who could care less if you've done the look? I, yeah. My house sometimes has got trash everywhere. There's, there's clothes all over the floor. There's dishes everywhere. There's all that sort of thing. Before I might have been able to get past it and sit down with the kids if they were really nagging, but I'd be sitting there the whole time, really tense. Yes. You know, look, you know, I must do this. You know, I can't. And I used to say to my husband and kids every night. If you want me to sit down and spend time with any of you, you have to help clean up, you know, because this has got to be done before I can sit down. I can't sit and look at all this chaos. Yeah. And then that sort of thing. Now I just don't even look at the chaos. Mm. If they want to watch a movie, I sit down. And I, look, I don't always achieve it. I slip, I slip back, you know. It, it, it's not... Um, but it feels like another one of those things that you're just getting so much better at yeah. through your illness. You know, yeah, it's but it's of... it's all practice, yeah. Yeah, really, really want to drive home because I, I found it something I found really hard when I wrote that, and it was being turned into a book, and I knew like you know there was a lot of people reading it before when it was a blog, and obviously a lot more people now, and it's also people now reading it who don't know me, yeah, um, as a person, like even through my Facebook page, you know, they might get to know me a little bit. There's literally been picked up by people who've never heard of me before, never seen a blog, never seen a bit or anything like that, know nothing about me. A real concern that um, 
people will think that I think that I'm doing cancer better than anybody else and I don't. Oh, that's a terrible thing. It's a to... worry though, you know, Is because it? everybody's, it's a worry to me that I, you know, I'm worried that people will. Has anyone made no. you think that they no, think that? No, it's, it's, I think it's my thing, Michelle. Yeah. It's just, it's, um, it, I've seen, you know, I mean, cancer forums and stuff like that, and I've said we have a really close knit cancer forum too that I'm on, which is sort of a spin off of. There's about eighteen or twenty of us, and um, you know, we've had a few, we've lost a few this year. We've lost four girls, two of them to bowel cancer, and both of them within twelve months. See, mm. I've been alive twenty one months now, and I'm living really well. Look, I've been very sick, very very sick. You know, there's not this is the is the best I've been in a yeah, lot of Yeah, to see you today, I'm I'm not yeah. allowing myself to be sort of unrealistic about how sick you have been because you look great to me. Yeah. But I know, it can be very deceiving, yeah. unfortunately, but, um, you know, I've still got a liver full of cancer, but it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm having a chemo break, I feel well, I, you know, and when I feel well, I always do everything that I can, you yeah. know, to, to you know, go out there and enjoy life. And it, look, it's it's most of the time and, and but... <laughs> These two beautiful ladies that we've lost in the last year um, who had, you know, one-year diagnosis from diagnosis to passing away, that none of them could have done anything that I've done. They were too sick the whole time. So, you know, I'm, I'm mindful that I want everybody to get something out of it to say that life's still worth living because initially I just thought, what is the point? That was my biggest feeling when I was diagnosed. What's the point in anything? Totally. What can you do now? Yeah, totally. You know, what sort of impression can you leave on your children? Yeah. What sort of mark can you make on the world? Because I wasn't going to make a mark on the world. You yeah. Know, that sort of thing, you know. And when you don't know how much time, how can you get any sort of, you know, idea as to what you can do? Mm. And and that sort of thing. If you've got to box it into this frame of time that they give you, you don't want people to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. To say, my problems are so much smaller than yours, you don't want to hear about that. Yeah. Yes, I do. Get a glass of wine, tell me all. Yeah, you mentioned that in the book, that somebody came to you with a love life story or something like that. And it meant a lot to you because it felt like your old self. It did, yeah. Towards the end of the book where it's very, it becomes, there's like a mourning period. Yeah. 
Um, and then, and then you come good again, which is yeah. nice, nice yeah. as a reader. But I liked it where it ended. <laughs> it yeah, was, it was like, great. Yeah, it's good. There was definitely a phase though towards the end of the book where um, you were talking more about being angry yeah. about the things you're going to miss, yeah. and and being in moments where you thought, this is, you know, I'm angry that I'm not going to yeah. see this or that. Um, all of this is normal. Of course. It's all, yeah. And you've got to allow yourself to feel it. Um, yes. You know, there's lots of – you get so many expectations put on you. So that was something else that I had the opportunity to write about was this constant thing that people say to you that you must stay positive because it's dangerous if you don't. Yeah. There's nothing dangerous about it whatsoever. If you're told that you're going to, you know, die from cancer and you've got young children or you've got, you know, a, a partner that loves you, anybody that loves you, a family, you love your life, yeah. that that's an absolute tragedy. You don't have to be positive. No. You know, that's – but it, people used to drum it into me so much that I, as I mentioned in the book, I had like my first meltdown. It was only a couple of weeks before the operation, which you know, had a fifty percent chance of of killing me on the operating table. So, and that was my first meltdown in, in you know thirteen months. Basically, I hadn't had a really bad mm. one where I was so frightened. Mm. Like I was absolutely terrified. Like my children were home. I think it might have been school holidays. And um, and I thought oh, I can't let them see this, and I knew I, I can't rally today. Head under the pillow, scroll, stuffing it in my mouth, screaming. It was just so so terrifying. And um, luckily, the palliative care nurse just happened to ring, and I couldn't be understood yeah. at all. So she sent someone around straight away. They're you know they're magnificent. And, you know, she just said, what do we need to do today to get you through today? And I said, oh, I mentioned shotguns. I think we've got a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just what I felt like, you know, just yeah. like get me out of this awful, you know, I just can't stand it. Like I said, I literally can't stand it. So I have to um, like go to sleep. So we organised, yeah. you know, sort of sleeping pills and stuff like that. But I talked to her about the positive. I said, you know, I'm, I'm just heaving and sobbing about this and then saying, oh, you know, I've got to get out of this state. How do I get out of it? Because if I can't be positive, then, then um, you know, I'm, I'm going to die quicker. Yeah, I feel like I that's a lot of pressure on it's you, isn't it? It's a lot of pressure. For and people it's... to say you've got to stay positive yeah. when you're dying. Yeah, that's I it. mean, it's perfectly reasonable not to be. Yeah, for, yeah. if you're lucky, like, yeah. you, you know, for moments yeah. to, to be allowed – Allowed to go through all of those gears in your mind and yeah. hopefully then come out of them again, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's healthy. Look, the nurse said it would be, she almost laughed because she must yeah. have heard this so many times before. Um, that it, it's, it's healthy. You, ha- you must accept what's happening and, and, and the, you know, the, the tragedy that it is. I mm-hmm. mean, there's no, that, that can't be questioned. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible situation, but it's a, you know, it's a situation that so many people are in. You know, one in three get diagnosed with cancer, so we're all going to have relatives and friends, mm. um, partners that, you know, have cancer, die from cancer. It's, it, it affects so many people that, you know, all I could think of was that I want, you know, to find a way not to waste my life. I, just, I go to the edge of the pool now and I chuck the towel and I just walk and get in and I don't worry about who sees the size of yeah, my ass yeah, or great. what they think of it and all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But just even the freedom that it gives you, the mental freedom, the physical freedom, because yeah. you're not thinking about trying to get undressed under a towel, you know, <laughs> get all that. You're so generous that you've shared with us as readers, you know, what it's like to be, to have a time limit on that. Mm, yeah. It encourages me to... To, to try and let go of things that don't matter yeah. and, you know, be so, is, so much more conscious of what matters. Yeah. Well, I think that's beautiful because that's, um you know, that wasn't what I set out to do. I mm. wrote a blog, you know, for my own therapy and then I was, people started to read it and be, you know, it's just, it was, it's just my heart and my soul out on a page. It's something that I've been, 
you know, lucky to be able to do, to learn how to not censor myself because the more I didn't censor myself, the the more feedback I got from people saying this is, you know, this is really raw and we're getting down to the, you know, the brass sexy. We're not, you know, there's none of the fakeness and all that no. sort of thing. But that's what I, I've loved about it because, you know, when there was talk about it being published as a book, I thought, but it's a diary about cancer. You know, that's all I could think of was, yeah. why does anybody want to read that? There's so many out there. And I had to actually sort of try to sit away from it and read it. And I read it as a book on the way up to our yeah. Queensland holiday a few weeks ago because I already had it before it came out, obviously. And I thought, okay, I can, I'm i starting to see this yeah. myself that – it's, um yeah, it, it is about living in the, the majority, I would say 75% of the feedback that I get from people, and I've had thousands of messages now, um, have been from people without cancer who yes. have said exactly what you just said. It's it's perspective. Yeah. It's a, because, and how, what, what a privilege, because how ace if they don't waste another day. Look, I've had people say to me, I've literally, you've literally got through to me where, you know, years of therapy haven't been able to and things like that. I mean, that's just like... Yeah, you know, just take a deep breath. Like I don't, you know, I can't believe that that can be the case. But that you know, this really genuine and and you know, people will tell me their stories, really raw, personal stories, that you know, I just honour so much because I just think you know that's absolutely fantastic. And I wish you know, I write in the book about the you know how I was sort of coming coming into my own even before being diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. But you know, still had one ass cheek nailed to the step. You know, I was gonna. So you know, if this is getting them up, because I just feel I don't feel regret because it takes everything in your life to get to you to, you to the point you are, mm-hmm. the pain and the, you know, everything, every experience that you've gone through up to the point where you say, I really accept myself and I love my life and I, you know, and I, you know, I can create this. Um, everything has a purpose to get you up to that point. Mm. But if I can get people there a little bit quicker, then that's just ace. Yeah. But we can all find something in our day or our life that we want to make better. So obviously you've always been a person who can find. Yeah. Who can just deal with it. Yeah. It just 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 is. It just is. Yeah. Well, do you know, there there was a lot of, there's a lot of similarities when I look back at, um, you know, our reaction when we had Georgia um, and found out about her Down syndrome um, and and how I I dealt with the cancer because it was exactly the same. And we were grief stricken and we were terrified. Terrified, absolutely terrified. When you um, had Georgia, yeah, yeah. we were. Um, I mean, instantly loved her, but we just thought, what? You know, we had these three children, and I, I remember we'd been out on our boat um, a few weeks before, and I'd been really heavily pregnant and stuff. And I said to my husband, "Oh, you know, not sad because I was having another baby, but I was sort of like, how long before I'm going to get the next one old enough so we can all go out? You yeah. know, I feel like I'm starting again and yeah. again. I keep doing this, and um, yeah, it wasn't a regretful thing; it was just an observation. Yeah. And so when I actually had Georgia, I thought, well, this is it, isn't it? Interesting. Yeah, You've had is... a baby that'll be dependent for yeah. Ever. And it's just sort of, yeah, crazy. And I sort of, there was like, you know, awful thoughts that you have that you sort of feel bad about, like you feel like the baby can feel them, you know, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And then you feel really guilty. Um, you know, why did we do it? We had three children. They're all walking out, yeah. out of the car. They're all, why did we do this? But then we loved her so much. And then, it, the, it, but the very big overriding feeling was very much the same as the cancer. I can't fix this. We can never go back. She's our baby. Um, I can let my life be destroyed by it mm. or I can not. 
same thing. Maybe that gave me lessons in how to deal with cancer. There you go. I'd never thought of that. Mm. That's just come to me because it was very much the same process. It was longer Although you cancer. talk a lot in the book about how all your life you'd expected something terrible to I happen. I did. I did because I had... You know, I had, had difficult, you know, a difficult childhood, childhood sexual abuse for, you know, five years. It changes you, mm-hmm. you know, a lot. You're never, you know, never going to be the person that you, you know, you, you thought you had the potential to be. And I think that that was a lot of, um, you know, what held me back for so many years. Do you think that's what made you expect something terrible yeah. to happen? I yeah. suppose as a child, you don't expect to be sexually abused. You don't expect a grown up to take advantage of you and hurt you in that way. And no all the secrecy and everything around that, do you think that's what made you as an adult think something bad can happen at any time? Yeah, yeah, I do. I just I just think you don't expect expect much um, from your life. Like because the, the, the spin-off from that is then you, you know, because it changes, like I said, being abused. And then you're a, you're a different person. So, you know, you start to develop a little bit of negativity. And then the kids in the playground don't know what to make of you, so they don't play with you. And then that starts off really early, and, and it impacts on everything. Wow. You know, I went right the whole way through primary school, and even the teachers didn't like me. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, sort yeah, of, so you were a bit askew because of what askew. you were dealing with yeah. and that, that sort of repels people. It does. Now that you say that, I think of a hundred kids on you, you know. Yeah. It's that sort of insight that makes you think, God. Yeah. How, you how, just get more and more negative and, yeah. then you, and you push people away. Yeah. And, um, and then that's what you come to expect and that's what you come to think you deserve. There's yeah. something that I've done. So, so that's how that got got into my head. I just thought, well, every ch- chance that I had to be happy, I waited for something to come, you know, the big bowling pin to come and fall over. Mm. It was, um, it was, oh, yeah, I just didn't know. Even as, as things got better and better and I started to feel more, you know, deserving, I had those, you know, series of things. So it's know? almost like with George's birth, you thought, Oh, well, maybe that was what I've been I waiting for, it. and it's yeah. actually okay. I thought that was it. Yeah. So it started a positive. It did. I was like, oh, great. That's all it was. That's all. Do this. <laughs> it's not a worry in the world. And then, yeah, then my husband got prostate cancer, and he, he, you know, it was a year of treatment, but he recovered fully. And um, so that was 2013, I think. So now is it, he's a bit older than you, isn't he? Yeah, husband, yeah, he's 61. Um, and again, this beautiful, vulnerable moment in your book when you said that he confessed to you that he was feeling lonely. Yes, yeah, he did. Um, and you know, that's that's only been fairly recently because it, it was there was an enormous amount of um, love. Lots and lots of love and fuss around me as I went um, into that operation, you know, because there was, you know, even to the point where, you know, you had to say goodbye to people as mm. they left in the last couple of days because it was half a chance I'd never see wow. them again. Yeah. Um, so people were doing beautiful things. My friends crowdfunded, you know, nearly $4,000 in the space of three days and we went into Crown and had a big weekend at the Offspring Pool. <laughs> I love that. I was so excited. Yeah. I have to go and swim in the Offspring Pool. I've never so. seen Offspring. What happened? Ashley Kenny had her baby in that pool Yeah, or she went got, went into labour. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Because right. I loved that show. So it was the best scene. I'm like, I've got to go and swim in that pool. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, but fabulous things. And there was like a few friends were going to come around her cause I like rockabilly clothes and that sort of thing. So they were going to have a day with, you know, about eight friends will turn into 80 people and, oh you know, there was big sports and that sort of thing. But in those few months, oh, I suppose it was about six weeks coming, knowing that operation was so dangerous. Like I'd been known I was probably going to have it, but it was only about six weeks before that it became very dangerous because my liver wasn't doing things it was supposed to do mm. um, in terms of growing back and things like that. So it became a very dangerous proposition for me. Um, that 
I started to really make things all about me. Just completely drop my bundle when, like, I wouldn't even, I'd just look at George and go, oh, a nappy needs to change. And I wouldn't even think of picking her up and changing her. You know, like I was, I was sort of handballing all that. I became very hedonistic. You know, I thought, well, if this is it, well, let's, you know. So, yeah, you have all sorts of changes. Yeah. When, when, when things change, you change. And you must sometimes think you deserve it. Yeah. You look, must think, I'm dying of cancer here. Do I, am I changing nappies? Yeah. Really? Oh, look, sometimes know? I do. Yeah. I really do. Like, I do, it, it's I really that. hard to get away from that. Yeah. So Gaz got kind of lost in all of he that. He got very lost. He did. Um, and Gaz has got to be coping with his own feelings of fear. Oh, yeah. Um, and loss and all of that stuff. But, I mean, the idea of raising those four girls alone. Terrifying for Yeah. Terrifying because, um, you know, realistically we've got, um, you know, three girls that are becoming quite independent now. They're 11, 10 and 9. Um, and we've got a seven-year-old who still doesn't walk or talk. And still um, wears nappies. And still wears nappies. Yeah. And she's going to get her period the same as everybody else at the same sort of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not have any ability to manage it. I mean, it's really literally down to those, you know, he just says to me, what will I do? Obviously the girls will help him because they're – I don't think that they'll ever look at her as a burden. She's never been treated like one and she's always been so especially loved by her sisters. Like they know that there's something special and they think it's ace. You know, they don't think it's a negative thing and they're always really surprised if anybody else does. (laughs) You know, so I think it's something that will – um, you know, they'll just do, but it's, it's just really difficult. That's when I think, you know, that when she came into the world, I thought I was going to be the person that was always going to, you know, I had all these plans. I thought, cause I was always going to travel again when the kids all grew up and go to South America and backpack around and do all the, cause I've done a lot of travel, but South America was the continent that I really wanted to yeah. conquer. So I thought, it's okay. I can just take her. I just imagine Georgia and I taking off when she was about 20 with our backpacks and, you know, going around and that. And I knew that she was going to be with me for the rest of her life. And I thought that's, that's, a, that's a privilege. I, I, you know, I'll just take her, yeah. take her along with me. It's not the life that I imagined, but it, it now it falls to other people. And it's scary because I don't know where she'll be when she grows up. She won't be with me, but when it comes to things like this, that's when it all comes unstuck and you realise it's not the way of the world. There's not the people out there in the services mm. to be able to, you know, no. to take these children. I was looking at Georgia yesterday at Father's Day. We went to our friend's diner and we're having a fabulous day. She loves it there because they play music and mm-hmm. she loves music and she just sat at the table. And I just looked at her and I thought, I'll never know you. You know, I'll never, you know, there was, there's always moments of sadness and things like Father's Day, any day. Will, will you know, will there be another one? Mm-hmm. You know, because statistically, you know, I'm told will not. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so I still hope for it. So it's, you know, it's so poignant to look at her and think, you know, what more will I get to see? Because everything in Georgia's world takes two years instead of, you know, two minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's all such a triumph. And, yeah, those sort of things, I just look at her and I think, what will happen to you? Sometimes you just think, how can you live in this world really? Yeah. You know, you do. Yeah. You do. It's just, it is so overwhelming. It's so big and... And, you know, the inhumanity of it is just, you know, you yeah. just can't fathom it and, and it's, yeah. It, but when it, you're living in poignancy all the time yeah. and everything is so loaded, mm. every event, did you ever think about giving up? 
I think a lot of us humans say to ourselves and to each other, if that ever happens to me, I'll kill myself. If I ever end up in palliative care, it's a big one. If I ever end up in palliative care, I would just rather die than this. Switch me off. And all of that bravado we say to each other. But then the the survival instinct is so powerful in people, isn't it? It is. That we we will do anything to push, keep pushing forward and live. Mm. But have you ever thought of it's Um, too much, all of this? I have the odd thought that you know when when it gets you know when it gets to the dark times I don't actually think of physically doing anything but I think of how what a relief it would be to be out of the intensity of that fear and that grief when you get into it. Um, So you know if I did and and just the odd time when I think you know like you said you spoke you know the darker days towards the end of the book because I was back on chemo it was chemo for life I had no prospect of a cure and I didn't know if that chemo was working and I had pain yes you know so the whole thing looked really you know dire it looked bleak and you were also just coming out of that 14 months of hope as well and so hope had been snatched away Mm. from you and I was just so tired you get so tired yeah you know, and then that's the thing. It's it's just a mental tiredness that knows that you'll never, like I said, never ever go back. You'll never ever have cancer as not being a part of your life. I still hope for all sorts of miracles and new drugs and more time and more time and more time. You mm-hmm. know, and um, but realistically, I've got to think about the the fact that I'm probably not going to be the person that guides them through their teenage years, and they're such difficult years. And well, you know what. Possibly not physically, yeah. But I mean, you have certainly laid down a pretty hefty, you know, example. Yeah, I hope so. And even and pre-cancer. Yeah. I mean, you know, pre-cancer, you yeah. were you were at TAFE and you were, you know, a, a loving mum and partner and a vivacious person mm. and you know all of those things. And, and you'll be want. completely present, I would think. Yeah, I for hope the rest so. of their lives. I hope so. And their daughters' lives. Yeah. That's something that, you know, that is, is very poignant, you know, that you think, especially the ages that they're at. I mean, yeah. when I was in my stage of, you know, something awful's going to happen, you know, this is the thing, the bad thing. Um, and my friend Kelly died, you know, with her, her children very young. And I remember seeing her children, you know, in the in the coming months, just go back to, to normal, in their, in their new normal with their dad and their nan and all that sort of stuff. And it just broke my heart for my friend mm. who died and it also made me feel happy for the children that they can go on, they can be resilient. It was I felt two things about it. Yeah. And so I thought about that a lot when I got cancer myself and, and, and terminal cancer and I thought it's really hard because you want them to remember you and you want them to yeah. mourn you because something's so big, you've given your whole life to them since they were born and that's gone. Mm. Um but at the same time, I want that for them. I want them to just be able to go I know. on. It's the great conundrum of parenthood, is. though, isn't it? We want, we sort of want to make ourselves redundant yeah, in their foster, lives. Yeah, we foster dependence and then we want to... But how lonely then when they're yeah. often only phoning us once a month if we're lucky, yeah. you know? But that's, you want to create yeah. these powerful, strong, independent people. You do. And they're going to fly away one day. And they're going to fly away, yeah. Regardless. But that's right. So, yeah, it's... it's um. It's it's a real opportunity that they've got. I'm glad they can read this book because they'll know my personality, the person that I was, you know, things that have happened to me, how they can – I think they can draw on a lot of things out of there themselves if they're having mm. a bad moment. But this yeah. is what mum said. Well, this is what mum did. Maybe we can do a little bit of that. Yeah. And that, you know, to me that's, you know, if that was all that ever came out of this, you know, it would have been worth it. Julia's book, Breakfast, School Run Chemo, is available everywhere and you can check in with her by liking her Facebook page, Five Fairies and a Fella.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.